You're listening to Outside In with Theatre in the Rough. My name's Becky Downing and I'll be here every Sunday during the COVID-19 lockdown, bringing you a little slice of the outside world. From interviews to new writing and performances, Outside In Sunday sessions are here to bring you up to speed with all things creative, with brand new content from emerging artists and nationwide companies. And welcome to our fourth episode of Outside In Sunday Sessions with Theatre in the Rough. I'm your host, Becky Downing, and today we've got some serious treats in store for you guys. We have, of course, our recurring Amelia Glyden, who's back once again with some positive tips and tricks to keep your chin up during COVID-19 crisis. We've also got a beautiful performance by Maisie Barlow, who will be reading a poem of hers called Sunlight, set to music. And finally, we have an interview with the lovely Alan Lane, who is the artistic director of Slunglow Theatre in Leeds. Stay tuned. So I'm joined today by the wonderful Alan Lane, who is the artistic director of Slunglow Theatre Company in Leeds. Thank you for joining us today, Alan. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for our listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about sort of the history of Slunglow? Yeah, uh, Slunglow are the makers of big outdoor people theatre, where people who are citizens, who are not professionals, work with people who are professionals to make large-scale shows which neither group could make on their own. All our work is outdoors. Uh, Normally the audience wear headphones. It's sometimes on water and always on fire. And yeah, that's what we do. (laughs) But in the last few years, we... Have been based in an area called Holbeck, so we work nationally. We work wherever the commissions are, but we are based in a really small part of South Leeds, and we run a cultural community college there, where adults come to learn all different things on a pay what you decide basis. And a year and a half ago, we moved into the oldest working men's club in Britain, which we still run as the working men's club, so the members still own it. Uh, but it is also now a community and arts centre for all sorts of uses that are nearly all community driven. Yeah, so that's what we do. Amazing. I'm the artistic director, I forgot to say, I'm the artistic director, <laughs> I'm the artistic director, although the hierarchy is very, very flat, so we're all basically a team, uh, we all get paid the same, but we all have different areas of specialty. Oh, brilliant. So what kinds of, when you say like community work, what sort of stuff does that usually involve? Uh, is it like a wide variety? Yeah, we host studio shows on a Sunday evening at five, and they're all presented on a pay-what-you-decide basis, and that would be a kind of traditional alternative studio fair, so Don Quixote, Chris Thorpe, people like that. Yeah. The space is also used as a cabaret space by us, which is very popular with our local community and a very traditional working-class community. There's, that space is also available to anyone else, so we host a lot of other people's events, so Ghanaian funerals cultural exchanges, asylum seeker network meals, weddings, funerals, christenings. Our definition of culture is as broad as a group of people gather in a room to do something. (laughs) I love that. That's brilliant. Um, So obviously you guys have been massively affected by the sounds of it, you know, as kind of any theatre space has been at the moment because it relies so heavily on people and community and stuff, especially the stuff that Slunglow usually do. Are you managing to still maintain... sort of creative presence in the community and encourage your community to get involved with things that are going on and are there any projects going in that sense uh, yeah, there's two, there's two, well, there's, there's three creative projects at the minute, one of which is called Ellis 11 Art Gallery, where we fired every single home, uh, three and a half thousand home, saying, if you draw a painting or a, take a photo or whatever, we will have it printed on waterproof board and 
put it in the lampposts of the area so that we turn the whole area into an art gallery of your work. Oh, wow. Um, that's been going for a week now. We've got yeah. the first wave of pictures are going up, which is great. Some lovely work there. We do a live-streamed game show with audience interaction every other Sunday from the stage of the club because our immediate club community are on Facebook. That's their, that's their digital footprint. They don't do Twitter. They don't know what Instagram <laughs> is. They just do Facebook. Yeah. We have about 285 people watching that every other Sunday and joining in. It's a very silly game show in which I, uh, I have to undertake various physical challenges. Sounds very dubious. Uh, yeah, it is very dubious. There's only so much you can do when you're in a room on your own. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, and then we and then we made our first Leeds People's Theatre production. So our new project is called Leeds People's Theatre, and we we made a film with a hundred people about civil war about two months ago. So actually, that's just finished that editing. So that gets released on the first of May. So there's oh, still fantastic. a sense of we are a creative force in the local environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that gallery idea. Actually, I recall you mentioning that on the um, NSDF panel that you were on. I, it's it's really striking. I love it that it's still kind of a way for everybody to get involved and be creative without coming into contact, I suppose. I, I just wanted to talk about, I, I understand that you've been operating obviously in a completely different way at the moment and that you guys are actually the ward leader for social care referrals from Leeds City Council with the coronavirus helpline. Would you be able to tell us how that came about? Yeah, we, we shut a few days earlier than most theatres because our clientele are almost, well, our members are almost entirely people in their 70s. So we shut the minute mm. we thought there was a danger to them. And we started driving to the local food bank, the local meals on wheels. And we did that <laughs> for two weeks. And then after two weeks, the council rang and said, are you still, oh, we put letters out into the everyone's doorway saying, yeah. we've shut the club, but we're still here. So this is my phone number. If you need something, ring me. And so that got a bit of sort of press attention because some, some people who work in radio got the letter. And so they started talking to us about that. And the council rang and said, do you have capacity? And of course, we have loads of capacity. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing anything. So now if you live in Leeds, uh, you live in Holbeck and Beeston and you ring the Leeds City Council asking for help, they pass that referral on to us. So mostly what that means is delivering food. We'll go shopping for people if you've got money, but no one's got money at the minute. We'll pick your prescriptions up, walk your dog, do your laundry, whatever it takes to keep you in the house. And so that we have 88 volunteers from the central line and another 15 volunteers who are from the kind of cultural organisations of Leeds who have all been furloughed. And we spend our days doing that. It takes, at the minute, I'm doing about 60 referrals a day, wow. but it's going up very fast. Yeah. Um, and it takes it takes pretty much all day. So what time is it? It's four o'clock now, so just finished and I was going since eight so it's a, it's a quite an undertaking but we're getting there. How have you kind of found that? Are you getting a lot out of it in terms of it being a new challenge and having new conversations that you wouldn't ordinarily have? Yeah I think I think it's possible for it to be true both at the same time that it's completely new and we're aware we're only going to be doing it for three four five months yeah and at the same time knowing that this is just a continuation of our work yeah. This is just a continuation of, you know, the LS11 Art Gallery is a continuation of our programme, but it's also a continuation of our food bank. If we bring you food, that's fine, but if, you, if we can make you feel connected and creative as well, that's amazing. So, yes, it is definitely brand new, and we're really amazed by the volunteers and how much energy they have and how determined and dedicated they are. But also, I'm aware that this company is about responding most useful and kind way it can to its community mm. and for the time being this is the most use we can be and so we'll be it yeah. um, 
anyone who's made theatre knows what it is to make a long list, organise people, sell a van ton of stuff, get rid of that stuff, come home and have a cup of tea. Yeah. And that's really what we're doing. And that said, I mean, there are definitely, definitely the sense that there isn't the kind of adrenaline kick that you get from, from making theatre. There's no, you know, you sort of have to really dig for the reward. Because people, people are complicated and they're scared. And, and that makes it difficult sometimes to deal with them. But that's okay. We're big boys and girls. So the thing we're mostly concentrating on is how this is just an extension of our mission anyway. And we're really lucky, you know, that our funders are standing by us. So, you know, everyone's getting paid to come to work. I don't know how they would sort of say no to that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it wouldn't Still, be... All credit to them, because they, they could... I mean, there are plenty of... I mean, thankfully, not the Arts Council and not Paul Hamlin, but there are other mm. funders who have not been quite so understanding. Yeah. You know, that, yeah there are lots of people cancelling festivals and, and, and not honouring contracts, so it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, good to, it's good to reward them when they do it well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really fascinating, though, in a way, from a creative and a connective point of view, the reach that now you are kind of able to have in terms of, like, obviously, you know, you were saying about you don't get that kind of adrenaline sort of reward, but, you know, the genuine real connections of, like, being able to help, I suppose it does, it does bring into question how are we able to do that within a theatre company and stuff? Because I think a lot of the time as well, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of people who get lost in that and you know I've, I've definitely been guilty of it and stuff as well get lost in the sort of the production of this piece or like the kind of artistry of it and you can almost close yourself off in a big way I guess then can't you I think, yeah I, I mean I think so I was I've been interviewed for the film at the minute various press and they ask a lot you know how how will the arts kind of cope with this and, yeah and I think there's two answers to that one of which is artists are the most creative and reactive and durable resilient people that you know they just i mean they just are their, their capacity to reinvent the capacity for change their capacity for fast change is huge arts institutions and arts organizations are some of the most conservative structures that we have in society and what's really telling i, I was on a meeting this morning with you know 150 arts leaders and with a few kind of honorable noticeable exceptions people are just so flat-footed Mm. They're like, oh my God, we thought we were going to sell 10,000 tickets and we're not selling any tickets. What are we going to do? We're going to yeah. need a bailout. You're like, all right, what? <laughs> yes. Okay. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Firstly, have a look at what business model you had that led you to this absolute quagmire of disaster. Yeah. And maybe using House Council funding as pump priming and experimenting in the commercial world of ticket selling probably wasn't the smartest of things. But whatever. That's mm. okay. It's water under the bridge. You've got a staff, all of whom are normally, again, with a few exceptions, socially engaged, incredibly eager to volunteer. Mm. You have big fridges. I tell you, in the, in the world of food distribution in charities, fridges make you an emperor. Yeah. And you've got big fridges, you've got vans, you've got big loading spaces, you've got... How have we not set up food hubs in every theatre? Yeah. I run a pub and it's almost perfectly suited to this. How is every single theatre in the city empty at the minute? Mm. And it's because all the people who run those theatres are spending their time trying to work out how they're going to survive. And that's fine. But when people think that the arts are self-interested, it's because we are. And it is so demoralising. I mean, I've got one transit van... And, uh, and my load door is a single door. Imagine if I had a fleet of vans and a load door that you could get a lorry on, like every major theatre in my city. I could, I could be feeding ten times the people I'm currently feeding. And it's, it's 
galling and it's demoralising, but then it is exactly what I expect from my industry. Yeah. Flat-footed and dull. All the people in the industry are heroes. The institutions and the organisations make them flat-footed and dull. It's interesting to kind of note who is reacting and how people are approaching this crisis so differently i mean i hope that it makes us really look at how we can change it to be able to connect to more people and to sort of remove these these barriers that like as you were saying that are kind of there and that really inhibit this access and this welcoming sort of environment where we we do have the resources to share with people we do have there are things that we can do I mean do, do you think that there's out after this there'll be sort of changes for the better and stuff I mean specifically for Slunglow I suppose I'm talking now um I, I think I mean I hope that the parts of our community who were still unsure as to whether we were for real or not will mm. sort of go oh okay they are um so I'm hoping um, the determination and dedication we've shown towards our community is recognised, but 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 also again, again, sort of this is internally this is part of our trajectory. This is part of our negotiating with our community. What is our theatre company for? In our minds, it's always been about a group of people of a set of skills, a set of talents, and and are looking to be useful and kind in in this society. So I feel like I feel like we're meeting that, and I feel like we're meeting a challenge. We kind of talk about this like a test. Are we you know failing the test? But I think you know as for the industry, I think that we we are not as always as dynamic as we think we are. We're not we're not good actually at making change. We've been really bad yeah. at convincing. I, I have now, I'm old enough to have sat in meetings about diversity for over 10 years mm. and nothing changes, nothing changes at all, mm. it's all the same, um, and, and both because we're cowards and also because we're, you know, we're, we like things to stay the same and also because we're a bit dull, mm. you know, we're not having really brilliant conversations where we come to understand things, um, and, and so... I mean, always incredibly optimistic about Holbeck and incredibly optimistic about my colleagues, only because I know how determined we are and I know that determination will win out. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never very optimistic about the, uh, my sector. I think there's yeah. some examples of really great leadership at the minute. I think the Arts Council are being as progressive and as brilliant as they are, as they yeah. can be. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Our, I mean, collectively, our response was to put NT Live on YouTube. I, I don't know mm. how. I don't know how inspired I'm meant to be by that. I mean, yeah. is anyone? I mean, it, it's it's one of those it's one of those things as well that you're kind of like, okay, well, what else? It's interesting that you mentioned that, that I was actually having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine about that the other day. And I was like, it's so great that all this work is now out there online for people who aren't able to go to the National and pay however much for a ticket. Um, why hasn't it always been like that? I just wanted to lastly sort of say if, if there's anything um, that you'd like to sort of send out to our listeners, what would that be? Uh, just be as useful and as kind and as safe as you can be. I think there's a, an opportunity here. Whenever there's a fire, there are people who run towards the fire and there are people who run away from it. And at the minute, I think we need more people running towards it in whatever mm-hmm. way they can. And for us, that the guide to that is always to be useful and kind. And, yeah. and in whatever way you can be useful and kind. We need to look after our brothers and sisters, I think. And, um, and I, I also think that's a duty of an artist. I think that's, you know... It was a great, someone gave a great quote this morning, apparently it's a Navajo saying, although I don't have time to check, is an artist's duty is to, is to provide whatever life does not. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that's pretty, that sounds pretty good to me. Absolutely, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for giving us your time today um, and for talking with us. It's been lovely. Thanks to, for having me, mate. No worries. Bye. All right. Take care. Outside.
Founded in 2000, Slunglow is an award-winning theatre company specialising in making epic productions in non-theatre spaces, often with large community performance companies at their heart. The company recently relocated to the Holbeck in Leeds, the oldest working men's club in Britain. They run the bar as a traditional members bar and the rest of the building as an open development space for artists and a place where Slunglow invite other companies to present their work that otherwise might not get to be seen in Leeds. Slunglow believe that access to culture is a fundamental part of a happy life. They believe that actions, however small, can have a big impact and believe that culture can change our world for the better. Sunlight is a blessing at the moment. She's almost teasing us with what could be. Silence, serenity, love for you and we, a spiritual ecstasy. Gliding through life, touching those we can't meet on a spiritual plane of existence. Time has come for this resistance against the beauty and that we take for granted. Time now to harvest fruits and seeds that we had planted. Learning the dance for the celebration, waiting round the corner. Imagination, creation, the things we have and haven't thought of. Trapped in our ivory towers and all we're thinking about is we. This is the key, do you not see? Time to unlock the blockers in the road. Time to unearth the hatred that lives amongst our bones. Because right now we've got to dive in, unearth, expel, stitch up, buckle in and let love dwell in the broken parts. For right now, it is the time to start looking inwards. That was Maisie Barlow's poem Sunlight in collaboration with Adam Elliott's music. Maisie is a spoken word artist, actress, life coach and all-round creative. In recent years, she's been moving towards facilitation and has been working on ways in which theatre, writing and performance can be used as a therapeutic tool. She started writing four years ago and has since gone on to perform at festivals, open mic nights and most recently a virtual festival. Hola, bonjour, guten tag, hello and yo. You are listening to Amelia Glyden on Outside In. This is the part of the show where I'm going to talk to you about what I do to stay positive through these weeks of isolation. Hello everyone, welcome back. I want to start this week's section with throwing you a bunch of positivity and gratitude because you deserve it. We've done it. We've passed the one month mark. Whoop, whoop. Yes, this may feel like the new normal now, but it's crucial that this new normal still has as much laughter and spirit as the life we were living before this happened. Now, I totally understand that this new normal comes with financial cuts and sickness, and I'm not taking away from any of that. My thoughts and respects are with anyone going through it. However, alongside this, I feel like it's brought us to go inwards and appreciate the smaller things in life. Like picking the grass. I forgot how much I love picking grass when I'm sitting on it. So I'd like you to take a moment and think, what are you doing now that you've forgotten you loved? Maybe making 
dippy eggs and soldiers in the morning, absolutely legendary breakfast, or listening to the old Disney tunes. They are absolute bangers. <laughs> or even just sitting in your favourite chair on the kitchen table. Think now. What have you done that has really brought you gratitude and happiness that you've forgotten? Now, along with these lines, it brings me in to my week's suggestion for staying positivity. For me, it's having a treat night. So, I set an intention up for the week, where by certain days, I will treat myself. Guilt-free treat. This is a very personal activity and it needs to be a treat for you. Something that makes you feel really good. So have a think. For some suggestions, I will give you what I do to set my week up. On Wednesday, I do shake yoga with Seda. So basically, we just jump up and down for 10 minutes, shake our body and just release all these emotions in the sun. I would suggest anyone to do that to any song for however long you want but it really brings up amazing stuff and I look forward to that every week. Thursday of course we've got the clap. I'm telling you now my family gets so into it. I'm talking pots, pans, bells. We like to put on a little parade. It just creates a great unity of our street and it makes me feel so good. And then of course... Friday crisp night. I tell you what, hands down, best day of the week. Gives me a real Friday feeling. I look forward to it on Tuesday. So you need to have a think, what could you do to set your week up? It could be something every day or every other day. Because sometimes on those down days, you need something to look forward to. It's really up to you. Personally, I like to keep these tasks really small and easy. So when the day comes to it and I get to that treat, I let my body fill with excitement and happiness about this treat. And that feeling, I try and keep going within me till the next time I get that treat. It's time for us to keep enjoying the little steps before we have to make a giant one back out there. That's it for me this week. I hope that you have a little something to take away with you. Even if you're not ready to do it this week, have it in the back of your mind and know that it's always there. Negativity is just a mindset and we are all strong enough to change that. We can be positive throughout this craziness in this world. We're all going through it and we just need to support each other. I'll be back next week with more positive vibes. Peace out. Thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in to this week's episode of Outside In, the Sunday Sessions. Of course, a massive thank you to our contributors as well, who've all been wonderful this week. Don't forget to tune in next week, listeners, where we've got some brand new treats in store for you. Once again, we'll be revisiting with the beautiful Amelia Glyden, who's got some more tips and tricks to stay positive during COVID-19 crisis. We're also going to be interviewing the lovely Elle Croft, who'll be talking to us all things about her crime anthology that's going to be out this week and once again we've got a brand new performance this time a musical performance from luke dyer who's written a song specifically for our podcast don't go anywhere take care Uh